Hey everyone, welcome to the premiere episode of the Reality Check podcast. I'm Leo. And I'm Nessie. And we are the Reality Check podcast. <laughs> so, Nessie, what happened last week, Boo? Talk to the people. Uh, first of all, guys, I would like to take it upon myself you know on behalf of leo and i to just say sorry for last week we know we had promised you guys an episode but we had a technical glitch or whatever baby and you know what if one thing is for certain we just want to make sure to give you guys the best quality i mean we're still new in the game but as much as we can help it we just want to make sure that we're giving you guys the best quality possible so we decided Uh to just speak and hopefully you guys can forgive us for being mia last week so just to get into some admin and letting you guys know how we're thinking we're going to run the podcast we're thinking we're going to talk about reality tv as well as our other our some of our favorite shows so with an issue that will be insecure yes ma'am <laughs> so i think as insecure runs i think we're going to do a little bit of insecure there um i'm not really sure what other shows people would like us to talk about i really do have been enjoying a lot of hbo shows it's weird um i'm into succession scenes from a marriage scenes from marriage was probably because the way that man was styled he looked really good so <laughs> listen listen i'm a whole for like a nice bit one I'm thing about him, he loves him a good style good looking man okay Thank you. Exactly, exactly. So please do let us know if you want us to talk about anything. Um, as we know, we are the reality check podcast, so we are like you know predominantly reality TV, but we're not totally like limited to it. Um, I do, you know, since since we're on the note of reality TV, mm-hmm. you know, um, your ultimate favorite housewives. I mean, that's like one of your favorite shows ever, and as such. Leo's like our in-house Real Housewives special. <laughs> no matter the franchise, Leo is on it like white on rice. Okay. Listen, I don't watch. So I think between me and like a lot of my friends who I like grew up watching Real Housewives, with, we do. We've probably covered all of the the, the US ones. Like my friend's side, do she watches? Shout out. <laughs> she Shout watches. Out. She watches New Jersey. She used to watch Dallas. Those are the two I never really got into. We watched OC together. Um, she watched she watched um, New York at some point. And then I'm a Beverly Hills stan. I love Beverly Hills. I love Potomac. I love, I actually have fallen in love with Salt Lake City. But we're going to get into that. We're going to get into some things. Okay. Um, Atlanta, you know, Atlanta is the franchise for me. Although OC is the one that started it all for like the whole franchise, the whole I think Atlanta really was like that girl. Like, I don't know if you remember, like, when Atlanta, oh, just, when we just all knew who Nini was. Just one Nini day, was. Nini Leaks was, was, you were memeing Nini Leaks. No, honestly, and even before meme culture, way before meme culture, when it was a lot of, like, just Tumblr, maybe Twitter's early days, um, I feel like, like you said, Real Housewives of Atlanta is really, like, the franchise that really solidified Real Housewives as a brand. I mean, in the very beginning, when we still had, I think, with Kim and Lisa, like on the show, that first baby, <laughs> like it really set the tone for what Real Housewives was. And, you know, I didn't know this until you were actually telling me that, like, it was mostly or mainly inspired by Desperate Housewives. And I thought that was really cool. 
Mm-hmm. Me, I became a Housewives fan definitely because of Real Housewives of Atlanta. Definitely. I think like a lot of, with a lot of black people, like I remember when I was in uni and I'd go into the library, I forgot what day it would be. There would just be a day where like, there'd be like all the black girls, like a lot of the black girls would be watching, would be catching up with Basketball Wives, they'd be catching up with you. Because <laughs> I think Basketball Wives and Real Housewives of Atlanta would come out, like they'd play in America, let's say Sunday. And then Monday you watch back to back. And like exactly. literally you walk past someone on their study break in the library and what's on is the Real Housewives. It's just the Porsche. <laughs> so they definitely did have they definitely did that and they carried that franchise on their back without you know anyone really telling them what to do um so how did you feel I mean we watched season 13 earlier this year which I won't say it was a flop but like I don't know how did you feel about it um I don't it's a weird one because I think like you said saying calling it a flop is like it's a stretch. It's a stretch. But I also don't know if that comes from the nostalgia that we have attached to Real Housewives of Atlanta because I feel like for the most part, this this past season was very forgettable. A lot of people really checked out really early on because it just, it was boring, if I'm being honest, compared to what they've given us and the reality TV gold that we're used to, especially attached to that franchise. It was a little boring. Um, A lot of us are tired of P. Willie and Kenya Dynamics, it's getting <laughs> old, especially like they, you know, the love hates and then they they kind of become civil, then they fall out. And then we, I mean, shortly after they both had their kids and they were having little play dates and then they were cool again. And then before you know it, they like it's getting really boring. Um, and I think, you know, even on the notes of Portia, she definitely carried that season on her entire back. Like if it exactly. wasn't Kenya and Portia, it was the fact that Ke- um, Portia's now brought in her. I mean, friend fell in. I mean, we'll get into how, you know, the Housewives, um, the Housewives brand has a way of bringing new characters on the show and they'll claim that it's someone's friend. And we all know in real life, these people are not friends, baby. They just work together. Exactly. They just work together or would have hung out a few times and then, you know, Bravo decides this person can come onto the show. And I think, yeah, Portia carried most of that season. If it wasn't her bringing Fallon and then Fallon hosting the Halloween party or whatever, Mm -hmm. And then if it wasn't for um, Bolo, which carried on for a long time. And I think obviously, you know, we touched on this last week, unfortunately people didn't hear it, but obviously because of pandemic filming, everything had to be stretched up because it was such a long process and there were a lot mm. of protocols to be considered. So I think that being said, they didn't probably get to film as much footage as a normal season would give us. So I think as a viewer, we probably wouldn't consider that entirely, but as we were watching, in the moment you want to be entertained and i just don't think this season did that for me i feel like people like um cynthia now that her marriage or wedding happened she's a bit boring doesn't have much of a storyline um she we could literally do without her and obviously as such she's not returning i think people like candy as well were really boring i found if anything what candy did do this season in trying to pretend that she's cool with Portia again they're somewhat friends they're in a good place and then the mess she created with the whole Bolo thing, because I'm not going to lie, if we sit here and connect the dots, Candy probably told someone who then ran and kind of leaked that information because the way she just wasn't at the reunion seemingly enjoying the fact that these rumors and these things were being said about Portia and her being like, well, when it happened to me, now you know how it feels. And it's like, okay, if you claim to have forgiven her, you claim to be over it, I don't think you will be so quick to bring that up and be like well you did this to me and I had to deal with it it's like wait 
I thought you were fine because her main issue wasn't even with Candy. So I, I don't know. I think we could have done without that. I'm not a fan of Marlo's antics and her now for, at the end of the season, we see her now somehow wanting to be Kenya's friend so bad. It's, it's giving me, you want to <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if she felt like this was her way to get her peach. I don't know if she felt like with Nini not being back, normally in the past, the scenes we'd see the most of was Marlo with Nini and Cynthia when they were still cool. So I don't know if all of this was just because, okay, there's no Nini now. How else am I going to maintain my relevance? She fell out with Portia over something that didn't make sense. And again, it felt like she was looking for a storyline. And you see, so it just felt like, I don't know if the producers were pushing them to do this. I don't know if it was, you know, their own doing, but it just wasn't giving. And it just felt like everyone was looking for a moment off the back of Portia. I also felt like Drew, baby... I don't know about Drew as a character. I don't know about um, Latoya as a character. It's. I don't think this was a show for Latoya. We could have done without her. <laughs> I actually think, I mean, controversial opinion. I actually <laughs> think I actually like, like Latoya's antics, like, I would laugh. Like, like it's like Candace, <laughs> like Candace on Potomac. Like, I would laugh. I can't lie. Like, I'd be sat behind my, like, you know, behind, my, behind the computer and like, I'd cover my mouth. And I'd laugh and like shamefully laugh because yeah, she's like, some false she's stuff. wrong, but she, that kind of funny. <laughs> it was funny at the end of the day, like like the stuff, like how she just rile Drew up. It was just mm. I can't lie, it was funny. Um, I agree. Season thirteen was definitely lackluster, but once you take into account that that's the season they gave us in COVID, filming starting and stopping and stuff, I think you know what, give them, give them, give them the benefit of the doubt. Um, obviously international trips are off for the Real Housewives for the foreseeable future I'm not sure what I have actually not seen or heard anything about them going on an international trip again because obviously the U.S. does have their restrictions regarding the current situation so I mean that's not why I watch the Real Housewives I watch the Real Housewives <laughs> women argue. <laughs> so listen if they're arguing at the DMV that's fine too that's fine by me you know that's fine by me what did you think of um drew i know there were a lot of controversial opinions about drew i know i've seen you and sadi tell us how tired you guys were of drew how not here you guys were for Drew. so tell us a little bit more about that so like her potentially coming back so there is a rumor not rumor or like there's just a a myth an urban mm. legend as some would say that like Atlanta <laughs> when it comes to Atlanta it's like a place where you'd like you where you'd go after your career is kind of like stumbling so obviously if you think about Cynthia how Cynthia didn't live in Atlanta before Kenya didn't live in Atlanta before I'm not sure about Drew but these are women who moved to Atlanta and now on Real Housewives of Atlanta and it's at a time in their career where it's kind of no offense but it's ticking down so I do think there's that element of desperation like Drew you cannot tell me Drew was this hot in demand actress. Like even she was saying at the reunion, oh, my highest grossing movie is Step Up or whatever Step Up it was. And I'm like, girl, ain't nobody been checking for Step Up in <laughs> at least 10 years. At, at the very least in the last 10 years. I don't remember anybody thinking, hmm, Drew kind of ate that in Step Up. Yo, and yeah, I think unfortunately, she, you're very right, she's actually not from Atlanta. Um, at the beginning of her um, appearances, like in the season, she was expressing about how she'd moved. I don't remember where from though, but yeah, she's definitely not like an Atlanta 
veteran i think she said where she was from wasn't it the place they went to the trip where they i'm from chicago I'm fr- no don't oh. you remember when when um she she had an altercation with latoya and she's like i'm from chicago don't play with or oh, detroit something like that chicago detroit. Detroit. i think it's detroit yeah one of the two um <laughs> i don't think she's very interesting her man is fine um i will give her that for free her man is fine but a fine partner is not everything that it it's takes. not substantial it's yeah. not everything that it's going to take for you to now become to now to become you know a top tier housewife like you need for in order to become a top tier housewife you need to bring it you need to have yes you need to have your lifestyle should be somewhat interesting you know your dynamic at home you know with your children with your partner should be interesting but I just think Drew has none of it going on I'm so sorry and I think the most, the more I saw her on TV, the more of a loser she seemed. Like, and it just came <laughs> to her head in the season finale when they'd all agreed they were buying each other a gift for a thousand dollars, and she brought a tired, stale, stiff wig for somebody to wear. And it's just like, girl, no. And I hate like, the fact that she then tried to make it a thing and be like, it was a joke. It was a this. Okay, let that be a joke, but then bring out your real gift. Like, where, where the real gift at? The other gifts were like, I don't know if it was like, someone wrote, I remember someone gave money. There was, was also like, Verve. I remember Verve. Verve yeah, Clico bottles like- of Verve. So it's like, clearly like, they've taken this gift very seriously because at the end of the day, guys, the Real Housewives is trying to act like this is a group of friends who respect each other and care about each other to some extent. That just has arguments sometimes. So if you do Secret Santa with people and, I mean, I don't know if it's, the limit was a thought a thousand dollars or it's spend a thousand dollars but either way it was disrespectful because i think she'd even worn that wig before like no like it wasn't new and then i just thought like even as a joke considering that you were the the one getting you know the 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 bantered about your bad wigs about your poodle wig the pet on the head as kenya had put it drew The fact that you would now want to come with a stale wig that you've worn before, like even if it wasn't stale, it's just, I didn't understand it. The joke wasn't really in good taste. It wasn't funny. Mm-hmm. I also do think that her story, she's very forgettable. And yeah. I think becoming one of the top dog or the top tier housewives or our favorite housewives, you, ju- you just cannot be forgettable. They, it, it, it can't happen. Mm-hmm. It's not giving. Um, as much as we saw some of the very questionable moments in her marriage, um, the relationship with her mom, um, the it situation with enough. it just wasn't enough. It, it 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 didn't give. It was very boring, unfortunately. And I think that was one of the many reasons why everyone was very underwhelmed and was able to check out mid-season because there was nothing. There there was nothing there. Um, I too would like to take this time to say that. If we were to take Real Housewives, or not we, but like if Bravo were ever to give us the Real Housewives we truly grew to love, we would have needed Nini back on the cast and Miss Feifei. I don't think it'll ever slap the same. Um, I love Phaedra. You know me. I'm a, definitely a Phaedra stan. I think <laughs> Phaedra was funny. And I don't think all of Phaedra's seasons, I really think Phaedra, when it came to filming, Phaedra showed up, Phaedra showed out. Phaedra understood the assignment. Um, I think the problem with like a lot of housewives is after some time you just kind of disengage you're tired of arguing with people and to some extent 
Nini was tired. I think, I'm not sure. I, I don't think she's as iconic as she was in her heyday. So I'm talking like season four to about season, at least season seven, eight. Um, Still the tolls and the shorts. <laughs> the tolls versus the small, wasn't it the smalls? smalls the, sh- the smalls, the tolls and the smalls, you're right. But if you ask me who is a top tier housewife and understood the assignment, it's Portia. And that's probably exactly why Portia got the spinoff that we're seeing, Portia's mm. Family Matters. Mm. Have you seen the trailer? I have. I have. Thoughts? I'm very excited. I'm very excited. And this is why, um, just literally piggybacking off what you said, Portia understood the assignment. Mm. And I think as a housewife, she's probably been... I mean, I don't watch Beverly Hills. I don't watch New Jersey or Salt Lake City or OC. I'm very boring. Okay, you don't watch. Okay, we, we understand. You don't I'm, watch. Trying, I'm trying to progress, but I feel like from the ones that I do watch, yeah. Um, I feel like she's had the most growth. From when we saw her first arrival, Cordell, and her be this little... Christian. Like, who was just like, my husband, my husband... Um, and it was very much still like a bit of a patriarchy princess, borderline pygmy. And then to her growth post post um, divorce, um, she went through the motions, had to move back with her mom, lost pretty much everything. She ain't had, she ain't had nothing but the clothes. She had a babe, literally nothing but the clothes on her daggone back. Literally, that man did her so dirty. But anyway, um, yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> But, you know, we watched her move back in with her mom and, like, obviously grow closer to Miss Diane and Lauren because of it. And then slowly try to build and start building and becoming this iconic reality TV star. And she she went on the dish and then we watched her grow and, you know, just kind of grow into herself, not care so much about people's opinions, became the bad bitch that we all loved and adored um and i say this not to say that she wasn't stunning before i just think her stripping away that like care of what people had to say Mm. made a big difference you know and as much as there was in the beginning all these people trying to be like damn Portia's not wearing all these songs she got her ass sheets out she got her this that yeah she did her boobs and everyone had and i just feel like it was so beautiful to watch and i think for me bar that little speed bump she had you know with miss feifei which it's 50-50. She should have known better than just to take her word as bond. But for a lot of the time, you know, giving her some grace, if it's coming from someone you think is your good friend, are you going to think that they're lying? Probably not. Yeah. You'd, um, you'd take it as, you know, you wouldn't tell me, you wouldn't tell me something you don't know for sure is 100%. Exactly. Especially something to that magnitude. I imagine, I mean, Miss Fefe being a lawyer, clearly, because we saw in the reunion when she was like, huh? <laughs> you never said that, you know, you heard. You told, you told me, me you told me you knew for you a fact. You knew and you know it was coming via candy. So what? Um, apart from that little hiccup she had with with Miss Feifei and the candy situation, I think for the most part she's really not problematic. Her shade is just like regular shade. It's not really to like cause somebody you know pain. For the most yeah, part, just fun shade. Yeah, it's just fun little messy things, fun shade that we all throw every now and again. And I think. If you don't bother Portia, she's not going to bother you. If she doesn't like you, she'll stay clear of your way. Just stay out of hers and it's not going to be a problem. You know, don't start nothing, won't be nothing. And I think for me, what, managing to be that whilst being very entertaining, mm. that's iconic. 
like you said this is this is why she got the spin-off because she's actually still entertaining while still being unproblematic she's still going to give people shade mess and she's the only person that we actually want to watch the most truly like i think like you're saying with um watching her growth over the show it's crazy because i remember so <laughs> i know this might piss people off but i only watched i think the first full season of atlanta i watched was season six and then i watched from season six onwards and then this year i was like you know what i need to i need to, I need to just rejig my memory so i'm gonna watch from one to five like seeing Portia in like her first season and how she had prayed she's like I think she said when she was 25 she prayed that by 30 she's married and obviously as someone you know in a similar age group myself I'm thinking of all the things I'm praying for to happen at 30 and just to watch she married Cordell she tried to have a baby with Cordell they unfortunately miscarried but then she ended up having her baby with Dennis things didn't work out with Dennis but now she's with Simon and it's just like you have we all it's the lesson I took from Portia's life on the show has just been we all have these plans for ourselves and how we think life is going to go for us and what we want and you know we can get it Portia got the marriage to the rich guy she wanted she was living in a huge house you know and it didn't work out she wanted to have a baby didn't work out but like still like she she never let you know bring her down and I just I think there's just so much to learn from her obviously I think she's a cancer and my friend Rosa is a cancer. She, they're, they're very positive people. So, I mean, obviously, if I was in the position, there'd be some time I'm a bit sad, but it's, it's, it's so, it, I love, you know, TV shows like that where I can just watch how someone navigated their 20s, their 30s, and just how their life at some point made sense. Mm-hmm. I, I hear you. It's kind of like a, a coming of age of sorts. Mm. Um, I think, like you said, for our age group, a lot of us can relate to. So it makes it more interesting to watch, I suppose, in comparison to some of the other housewives who are significantly older. Um, the only other person who's in a similar age bracket we don't really see much of, which would have been um, Shamia, her best friend. So, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so I think going off that, I'm excited to see what she has in store for us regarding her spinoff. I mean, it's going to be a bit strange getting to understand the characters because obviously we know Lauren we know Miss Diane like you said but we don't know like some of her relatives so it will be a bit weird getting to understand the relationships there and what's 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 going on and there was tea there um I am glad she's off Real House of Atlanta now don't no, don't nobody eat me up I just think that the next season of Real Housewives of Atlanta was really going to be taken over by the Portia and Simon, the fallout from their relationship and people calling her all kinds of hoes. So I think it was just probably best for her to explain her relationship to us. And I'm glad, you know, she, I'm a Portia fan. I'm gonna watch that show. So I think it's just best she'd explain that relationship to us on her own show where she can, where she's, I'm, pro, I'm assuming executive producer, where she can kind of just say, guys, this is how Dennis and I fell in love. This is what we're like. This is how we're blending our families, you know, blah, blah, blah. And not, you know, have to answer to, you know, damn Kenya and, you know, prove to Kenya that her relationship isn't, you know, man stealing and stuff because it's toxic. Like, imagine, I don't imagine, obviously, there are going to be people in Porsche's family dragging her saying, oh, you know, you got engaged within a month. I think that was in the trailer. But I think that's probably better to deal with than someone coming after you like that. Like, obviously, Porsche's thinking about her 
own peace of mind. So I think, and also the door is still open. I'm sure Portia could one day come back to the Housewives of Atlanta when we need her most, like the Avatar. That's so it's, I'm, I'm not, I'm not in tears about this. I'm, I'm, I'm happy for her, but I know, but I know I'll be happy again when she's back on our screens as part of the cast of the Housewives of Atlanta. What about you? What did you think of the trailer? Um, I really liked the trailer because it was looking jam-packed. I think the thing about spin-offs is, you know, these production companies, you do what they do want to ensure, obviously, that we are still entertained. Some things can, you know, easily come off like, mm, how is this actually going to last? Is it going to be like a one-time spin-off? Um, is it going to be entertaining enough? You know, and from the trailer, it looks juicy enough because it's not just spending, you know, the entire time or the entirety of the spinoff on Portia and Simon. There's a little bit of Dennis in there. You do see Dennis, you know, in the trailer being messy, talking about how, you know, you know, it's never really over with your baby moms. Like there's so much to unpack in that clip. And obviously from any show, we all know that the trailer always um, literally shows a snippet, especially with Housewives. I think that's one thing they've mastered is that they usually give us an initial trailer um, before the season premiere. And then halfway through, there's usually like the second trailer that gives us a lot more. And if this is just the first one, I can only imagine the goodness that awaits out, awaits us, you know, at the other end of the halfway point of the, of the series. Um, like you said, I'm 50, 50. I'm interested to see obviously the dynamics of our other family members at the same time. I just hope that we don't kind of lose the plot. I mean, obviously to get to know a character, you're going to need to know the people in their lives, but I also don't want them to spend too much time on, you know, class members that we don't necessarily care about. I mean, I don't, I mean, just to make a quick reference to Insecure, you know, two minutes, there was a point where we were speaking, in fact, I was speaking to my friend Jackie, and we were speaking about season four of Insecure. And we were basically talking about how um, there was so much of like um, Lawrence's life that we never needed to see, even in season three, to be honest, actually most of season three than four. And I know the way they did that season was to, to make sure that, you know, um, I don't know if you remember that season finale where they showed like many things, the same thing happening, but it was like from Molly's perspective, Issa's perspective, um, Lawrence's perspective, whatever. But like there was so much about like, for example, a lot of Lawrence's office dynamics and the nights out with his team and like the, the, the one scene where he's chilling with a partner in his house and he's cooking and he's just talking about him interviewing elsewhere. I mean, it was little things like, for example, him interviewing for a new place and then him then getting it. I get it, but like, there was a point where it was like, okay, we don't need to see this, especially because at this present point in time, Lawrence and Issa aren't even together. And bringing that back to, you know, Portia's family matters. I just don't want it to get too much because there was a specific scene when, you know, it's Lauren and her cousins talking. And then there was a time where like, it seemed like the cousins amongst themselves had beef and it was a whole thing. And it was like, okay, I get it that maybe they're going to maybe show us how Porsche is supposed to navigate being the problem solver. But I just hope it's actually an authentic situation where she genuinely would have been the problem solver in that situation. And not just because, okay, now you have a spinoff. Let's, let's get everyone around. Because when we look at Real Housewives of Atlanta, there have been scenes where, for example, we saw the scene with Cynthia and Mike, I think it was season 12, when they had that little get together and Mike had all of his female friends and everyone was like, Oop. <laughs> he got a lot of exes and female friends around child. Um, 
And then in that scene, Mike obviously wasn't being conscious of the fact that his daughters were there and he was basically speaking out loud about how I was never, I've never been in love before and da da da. And these kids were just like, ah, you were married to our mom and now you're saying this live jive and now we have to hear this during the people, like in front of all these people. Um, but that's kind of showing like, for example, like an extension where, you know, Cynthia was live reacting in that moment. We've never seen that um, about Portia. As far as her family, it's always been Miss Diane, Lauren, Dennis, and, you know, now PJ. There's never been like, you know, this cousin came to visit and there was this situation where she went to see this cousin. And I know obviously Bravo will try and limit maybe people coming onto the show, but it just never, they never showed that side of Portia really being that involved with her other family members. I don't know if it's because maybe they live far or what the situation would be. So I hope in this new show, when it is her and her cousins and her other family, it's genuine and not for the sake of because you are in a spin-off. Now we need to see a lot more people and add more meat to the bone. You get what I mean? That's just kind of what I'm, I, I just hope they don't lose it a bit. That's all. I mean, yeah, I get what you mean, but I think to some extent they're going to need, like, it's not all about Portia. Like, as they say, it's Portia's family matters. And I think, I don't know where I saw it. It was probably just on, like, Housewives Twitter. They would said it's right between keeping up with the Kardashians and um, Don't Be Tardy, um, Kim Zolciak spinoff. Um, so I'm curious to, you know, what that means, because that it implies it's going to be fun. Although, you know, we saw people potentially throw hands. I'm curious as to who was throwing hands. But um, yeah, I'm curious. I'm, I, and I'm generally, my curiosity is piqued. So I think that's probably like a good, a good sign, don't you think? <clears throat> no, I, I, I agree. It's definitely a good sign. I guess, you know what, I'm someone, and you know what, maybe this is my flow. When it comes to TV shows, movies and stuff, if I don't feel like I'm really well engrossed in the situation I just kind of lose interest and I think for me it's a thing where I kind of feel like you know for most of us we're coming here for Portia Portia is like our main point of attraction if it seems to start to lose that I, I may lose my interest that's my only thing but you know what I'm probably just bad vibes <laughs> like, I want to see Pete Lee you know you I'm here for Pete Lee really. you, you know <laughs> hey 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 you know we take an accountability maybe that's bad vibes of me but like yeah i'm just not really that here for um, too many of the other cast members but i mean let me just wait let me not judge a book by its cover and i think obviously because Portia, we're going to be entertained regardless definitely i think bravo obviously knows who the money maker is in on that show they're not dumb i think obviously episode one will be just us trying to understand the dynamic Portia has with these people and then as the season goes it'll be oh remember my aunt I showed you in episode one she doesn't like my aunt I showed you in episode three you know I hope that's how they do it that it's a gradual thing yeah. and they don't yeah. just show you everyone in season in episode one expect yeah. you to understand it period point right <laughs> period like, no like who are yeah. these people like give it give give it give us some time also like as viewers we deserve a little bit of a little bit of respect just a little bit <laughs> But Chom, um, speaking about Real Housewives, you know, um, Real Housewives of Potomac, we just had our season finale. Talk to me. Let's chop it up. What were your thoughts on this last episode? And, you know, talk to me. I think, I think like it just showed, it highlighted like what works about Potomac. I think 
with Potomac, the husbands are a lot more involved than like Atlanta me. But obviously the Atlanta ladies are like they're usually single. But like with Potomac, like how how the husbands just add to like the drama, how like they just all kind of what's it called bounce off each other. Giselle and Robin bounce off each other. Even Karen and Giselle bounce off each other. Just like the way they interact and the way they like not treat each other, but the way they just relate to each other. It's just so funny to watch sometimes. And the things they say about each other in like the confessionals. I just think Potomac Potomac works. And so like, I just think this episode was able to highlight what really works about Potomac and how involved the husbands are. I just think obviously, you know the shows about the women but it's just really interesting when the husbands get involved defending their wives and whatever and then just the little the little the little ways in which like the green-eyed bandits bounce off each other karen and giselle bounce off each other just like how all of them just kind of fit together and i think it showed why potomac works and why potomac is probably more interesting than a lot of other um shows we have on right now like I really think it was a good episode. I, I felt like I was definitely engaged. I mean, obviously, Karen hosting an event—it's not always the most interesting, but I thought it was fun. Like, what did you think? You know, for me, I can actually agree. I think for me personally, when it comes to Real Housewives, the season finales tend to be more like you know, things have calmed down. What will be, will be. There's, you know, it's not still like fresh fights. That's one thing I've noticed. Things are either being finally resolved or people are finally expecting or accepting, you know, that, okay, we're just going to be civil and call it a day. Like we saw with, you know, Chris and Michael, whatever that was, (laughs) whatever that lame fake reconciliation was. But I think there was no need for it to be um, too lively because, you know, they usually give us a little like closing quotes or whatever you want to call it captions of each housewife yeah and I thought it was perfect for that I didn't think it needed to be more drama because for me it would have felt like okay this is a bit of a cliffhanger because there's going to be so much break between the next filming and then there's going to be the reunion that is usually like a um, a couple of months or weeks later so I just felt like it didn't need to it was fine for me I really liked it to be honest I really liked it I felt like I was happy that everything just felt like Things were settled down. People were finding where they are now. And then the rest will be spoken about at the reunion. To segue quickly onto a point you brought up, that weird um, apology that was expected of Michael. I mean, listen, I'm not a Michael stan. Even just defending him right now. I just, (laughs) I don't get why Michael expected an apology. Like, Wait, you don't get why Michael expects an apology? I don't get, actually, I don't get why either of them think any of each, each other should apologize. I don't think what Michael said to Chris was that deep. I don't think Chris has really said anything bad about Michael himself, except calling him out. Like, I think the Darbys have, to some extent, this thing where they really like an apology. Those people, yo, those people like being apologized. Because they love it. And I think what bores me about both of them as a, as a marital unit <laughs> It's the fact that they both do things and when it's them, it's fine. When now they feel like they're so attacked and somebody did something wrong to them, the world has to stop, you know, like world stop, word to Queen B. That's how I feel like they operate. Um, I do think, you know, my difference in opinion is the fact that personally, 
if a man went to my man and was like, yo, go get your wife. She's out of control. And my man just said, oh, okay, let me go and talk. Ah, why are you sending for him? Like I'm a dog that needs to be put back in a cage. And then Chris said, yo, yo, yo. Mike, Michael came in and said, hey, yo, shut the fuck up. <laughs> ah, those are fighting words. Granted, you know, Chris should have maybe, and even with Chris, I'm not going to lie. I just feel like him, I don't know if it was him actually pushing him or him trying to get him to back off. Maybe he shouldn't have done that. But I think as far as both of them are concerned, honestly, the way Chris handles it makes sense. Listen, I was looking out for my wife. You were looking out for yours. Because one thing about, one thing Michael said was, I have a long memory and I don't like people being mean to my wife. The same thing could be said about Chris. You were speaking about his wife like she's a pet that needs to be put in a cage. And he didn't uh, like that. I would like to stop you to remind you that <laughs> Candace said Michael is a slave driver. And then when asked about it, she said, yeah, because Michael drives around his sleeve. <laughs> Candace, like you're talking about someone who has doubled down. She has actually but doubled down on the accusation. My, as far as that's concerned, his issue is with Candace. And that's why um, Chris even said, I understand you being mad at her. I get it. Because he knows his little wife be talking crazy. He knows. And he's not going to sit there and pretend she doesn't. My thing is, as far as Michael, because I even said, said this to my friend Tracy when I was speaking to her earlier. I cannot for the life of me understand why Michael is that bothered by what Chris said or did to the point where he feels like he doesn't want to be around these people. It's giving me scapegoats. Because I don't think that the interaction or the situation between the two husbands was just that serious for it to put Chris in a position where he feels like, I just don't even want to come around all these people. It doesn't, it's not making sense to me. Unless he knows he's going to rightfully so be called out for the things that he's done. And he doesn't want to face these people. And that's why for me, I wasn't even mad at Candace's white privilege comment because like she rightfully pointed out, this is someone who's never been held accountable or ever taken any ownership or accountability for any single thing that they've done. I think as far as housewife's history goes, this is a mad situation where this man has had all these allegations and the only reason why they were put to arrest or like Candace kind of, you know, snuck in there in her confessional that, you know, you paid off this person, you paid off this person and still you kind of get to come around. You don't know who he paid off, but as soon as, you know, Monique and her husband, um, Chris, were like, well, you know, the cameras weren't working in our house the day he supposedly did this. It was just kind of left. Yet it wasn't just one producer who's spoken up about, you know, you know, trigger warning for sexual harassment. And so it wasn't just one producer who spoke about the, about um, Michael Darby doing that to him. There were many of the gay producers who said, and the fact that he's still on this show is crazy. And I think it's not even, I think even what Candace was saying was like, it goes just beyond the small things. There's the stuff you do to Ashley and you don't take accountability for. I mean, obviously within with the infidelity he has, but like all the other things you don't take accountability for. Even the fact that he tried to gaslight Candace when she pointed out the white privilege, it was like, it was, watching it was borderline triggering because as black people, we've all been in that situation where a white person's gonna tell you you're doing too much um how far he specifically said how far can this woman take things how dare you <laughs> how dare you and that's why i'm like it's just very crazy that michael darby can sit up there 
and just demand this apology until until like the world is coming crashing down it makes no sense to me but then i just think if his wife doesn't have a problem with it like like really guys who are we to now come and be like Ashley, you know, you actually should have a problem with the way Michael treats you. Like, like, and like, and it's giving not Stockholm syndrome, but it's giving she's also either so focused on the bag or she's just doubled down on her love for this man. She's not, you know, she's not interested in arguing with any of us peasants about the status <laughs> of her marriage and how, you know, he mistreats her. I will say it was nice. I want to say nice of Candace um, when she kind of actually seemed concerned about Ashley and she said Ashley deserved someone with better morals or who would treat her better, something about morals mm-hmm. than Michael. And I was like, wow, for someone who, you know, these people, I'm not saying that on site, but when they see each other, the cussing does, you know, and the cussing is never too far out. And they mm-hmm. seem like we, like it seemed like Candace to some extent does feel bad or cares about Ashley like I don't think she cares like bestie but you mm-hmm. know it's like um, I really wish you were with someone who treated you better and you know Ashley has her tragic backstory that you know we won't get into but um you know we accept the love we think we deserve basically that's true um I will also add that something I noted from this episode about um Michael was that little double date with you know Michael Ashley Robin and Juan and baby <laughs> it Candace, was crazy <laughs> Candace and Chris live rent free in Michael Javi's head it doesn't make sense I was just there like and you know one thing about that scene that actually shocked me was Robin I didn't think at some point Robin would actually in her confessional you know, even at the actual lunch, appears to be like, okay, let's be nice. Let's not say that, you know, if it works for them, it's fine. In her confessional, she also came and said, you know, she just doesn't understand, you know, if it's just, um, Michael's really strong disliking for Chris and Candace. Um, but, you know, some of the comments he makes, he's, she said, like, she pointed out that she feels like Michael Darby is a little elitist. Like, he just seems to think that he's just so above these people and he's just so much better than the two of them. Um... And yeah, it shocked me a little bit because I just didn't think Robin would be sat there somewhat defending Candace and Chris to a certain extent. Yeah, um, but to piggyback onto that point, it's not like Robin really called out Michael in that scene. I thought it was kind of weak for her to like just say it in the confessional. Like you were mm-hmm. laughing with this person, like you were laughing with this person. You never once indicated to them that it's like, mm, that's kind of messed up. If it works for them, let's let it work for them. Well, but in the, confess- in the scene? Okay, but she had a lot more. Where did she have a lot more energy? <laughs> At least with <laughs> no, Candace. With Candace. Candace will not wait for the confessional to cuss you out and cut you to the whiteboard. Candace <laughs> will say it to you in person. And her confessional and will be just, you know, yeah. one or two more insults. But I thought, Robin, I thought, I was like, wow, Robin, you do have a spine. It's just you don't like using it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's capable of it. Um, And I just think even in that scene, I remember what I specifically noted down was like, it's so funny for Michael to be sat here talking about Chris and how it doesn't he live off his wife and how is she even paying him? And you have all this messy stuff to say and you barely beat the allegations against you. Like, bar the things you've done to your wife. 
I just don't feel like, I don't know if it's maybe me, it will just never sit well with me that he basically just has to be in scenes where he's not, he, he should not dare speak on somebody else's affairs. That's just how I feel about Michael Darby at this point. Like, you're not about to sit there commenting on Candace and Chris's finances as if you beat the allegations against you. Like, certainly not I. Um, I also think in that scene, did you not find it really interesting how um, Robin and Juan seem to have like increasing awkward slash tension and it's really like I don't know in in my head I was laughing I'm like is it because he tired of acting <laughs> like he wants to be with this woman I don't know I think I like from like not just taking into account like the scene um at the restaurant with um the Darby's but also the one where it was just the two of them at the embellished um factory store yes, factory yes, yes. Yeah, whatever that was. Mm-hmm. I think I think he's just tired of hearing every time a camera comes up. I mean, obviously, I don't know what they talk about in their, in their private life, but it sounded yeah. like he's just tired of every time the camera comes around, Robin goes, Juan was a bad husband. Juan was a bad father. Like, it's like, you're, it feels like she's come. I would get why you'd feel attacked. It's like, like you're not saying you you never really say oh one was a good dad one did this right one did this right it's always and which is why i believed him when he like flipped and he's like you never ask what did robin do wrong robin has never once admitted what she could have done differently you know when two people divorce obviously yeah there could be one party it lies with but i think robin hasn't really done the introspection to kind of find what she did wrong it's always one cheated one like like Obviously, you know, there's no justifying cheating, but even after he made it known that he wasn't like happy with how she wanted to bring it up in front of the camera, then she's now like, oh, it's not that deep. It's like, but like you keep bringing it up and you keep making it a thing. And then when I'm angry, you're like, it's not that deep. That's gaslighting. Like that's literally gaslighting. And I think Robin is actually very good at gaslighting. She does it to Wendy. She did it to Juan there. Like, She'll, she'll say something and then when you respond to what she says like no whoa whoa calm down it's not that but I do think on the same note you know just to to kind of challenge that you know train of thought for a second as much as she definitely did gaslighting by saying it's not that deep I do feel like Robin I mean Juan gaslights Robin and I think that's one thing that's gonna make the two of them if they don't seek any therapy it's just not gonna work because we saw it in the last season when they were having that conversation and he was just like, you're not going to do that. You're not going to say that. And even in that scene for me personally, and I think it's because I've been in situations like this, even in friendships or in the workspace where, because I've pointed out that like you did this does not mean I'm saying everything else you've done is nullified. And I think something that she was saying um, at the meal and in that scene, I, she even continued to say to him, I'm not saying you're a bad father. I just said in the early years of, um Carter and I don't know if the other boy's called Coach. But like uh that child's name is not Corey. <laughs> it's not Corey. Oh Corey, that's you know what? My bad you I love thinking of Coach Carter. That's so ghetto. <laughs> but <laughs> but um she was saying in Corey and Carter's um early years, you weren't hands on 
And that's because he was away playing basketball. And that's fine. He's, like, not, like, he's not playing basketball now. Why are you, like, it, yes, he's a coach now, but it's like, why are you, like, she you like. If somebody does something to you and never actually says sorry, you don't just get we it. We don't know that. We but in the last case, if we're going off of what we've seen, like I said, in the last season when they went to that therapy session, he literally refused to take any accountability. He was like, nope. My Even in this team. scene, hold on. Even in this scene, he said, you're not going to say that I'm a bad father. And she was saying that, but I didn't say that. I'm pointing out that if you are going to consider having this next child, this can't happen again. A simple you know what, at the time, I think it was a busy da-da-da-da, it's not going to happen again. Because for me personally, even if I was having a conversation with a friend and maybe somebody did something to me once and we kind of moved past it, me speaking on in, in another conversation ahead that, you know, I think if we're going to do this again, take you and I, for example, if we, for some reason, clash schedules and one day we don't get to record this podcast and, you know, we now have a conversation that, you know, a friend, next time this you, just let me know in advance rather than telling me at the last minute. And then maybe initially when that conversation is first had, we come to like argument, like, you know what? Maybe let's just leave this alone. Maybe let's just leave this alone. Then fine. We don't need to do this. If we decide to come back, like, you know what? That was a bit dramatic. Let's give this podcast another go. You have to be, you, naturally, you might even consider being like, okay, Nesu, if we are going to do this again, we just need to make sure that our communication is better. It's clearer. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. I don't think that there's anything wrong with it being brought up. If, I had never seen the part where one said he didn't want to have this on camera. So if that has been said and she continues ignoring it, I understand his anger and frustrations because it's like, okay, you continue to then disregard my request. But in those scenes, if that was the case, to me, somebody who actually cares about your feelings would just be like, you know, I've said this before. I don't want to speak about this on camera, but this can be a conversation we had rather than you're being stupid. If you're going to keep bringing this up again and again and again, it wasn't even okay. You keep bringing this up on camera. He literally told her she's being stupid. That was how many years ago. And even if you remember in the restaurant, she started off by saying um, at the very beginning, like in the, the early years, the same age that, you know, Dean and I think Dylan are, um, that's the time he was away playing bar- basketball when Corey and Carter were the, that age. And she was like, at the beginning, I basically had to do it by myself. And he was kind of like, what, what, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? He didn't even freeze and take time and think, oh shit, yes, I was away in the NBA. Like I wasn't there. It wasn't an attack. It was just, if it was just a simple, I just think it could have gone differently. If it was a simple, you know what, circumstances nah. were different. I nah. knew what you're on about. Nah. But he continued to be like, I was there. I was nah. there. I was there. Because you were not there. Who would not defend themselves if your character was being brought, not your character, but if if you're being drawn out on tv like i don't know i'm not in that household i don't know anything but at the end of the day if you keep if you keep bringing this up on tv this person's gonna be like nah you're not about to make me look like a like i I was a terrible dad i cheated on you i think like i just feel like if you forgive someone if you truly forgive from the bottom of your heart to some extent you cannot bring that up you cannot throw it back in their face like i'm not saying that because now they're back together, it means having a baby, have the baby. Like, they must just have the baby without ever having this conversation. This conversation is necessary, 100%. But the way in which she's doing it, it's, it's oh, you know, you left me last time, and I'm not about to have that happen. No, why not just say, um, let's split the, the responsibilities equally. Like, I think there's a way to say it in which you're not bringing up the past you're not bringing up old issues that this person that might trigger this person or might 
make this person feel like, damn, I can't catch a break in my own house. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Maybe the delivery. I don't think the intention is necessarily wrong because I don't know. Maybe it's because I don't rate Robin, but I just felt like, especially in the factory, I think it rubbed me the wrong way. The fact that even in the restaurant, when it wasn't really a tacky, she literally was just saying to Ashley, you know, oh my gosh, when they were this age, Ghana was kind of doing it mostly by myself. So I don't really miss that. And it was kind of like, what? Why are you trying to make but it seem like that? That's, I don't, her, I don't that's how she like, remembers it. Which is fine, but if he was away, hey, like, if someone was away at NBA, are we going to pretend like their goose was there changing diapers with you? He was not there. But and at the end of the day, that was his That was no, but that's fine. I just think that at the end of the day, somebody put, you know, the, 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 the main conversation was, let me not say the main conversation. Something we see a lot anyway, even on Twitter, is how two things or many things can be right at, right the, same at the same time. time. He had no choice but to be out there playing basketball. That's how their bills were paid. That's fine. As simple, oh my God, but I was there. But I, no, it could have been like, hey, babes, you know, it, it was never intentional. I just wanted to, I had to go do what I had to do. That conversation could go by so differently. And I understand maybe he feels like he's being attacked on TV. But sometimes, and this is just a human being thing, sometimes as humans, in a given moment, you have to try and and I do think it takes a lot of emotional intelligence, but I think um, sometimes you have to try and like think about the fact that somebody is saying this, they're not saying this is not a direct attack on me or my character. What is it that they're actually saying? Rather than, and I think for me, it's because we've seen it in other seasons. Juan literally gets right up so quickly because every time he thinks somebody trying to attack his damn character child and he loses it. We've seen it in so many seasons of Potomac continuously time and time again. And he'll just be like, nope. Nope. Also, Mr. Juan Dixon this season, I think he rubbed me the wrong way at the beginning when, you know, we saw that Robin wasn't really herself. She was kind of struggling. And he would say things like, Robin, you're still in bed. Go wake the boys up in the same house that he's in. Not you saying this after Giselle said depression will make her unattractive to Juan. Not you saying this. Oh, no, no. My dragging for Giselle was worse because that's her actual best friend. Giselle sat there and said, that's not attractive. You got a fine ass man. Get it together. She basically said, bitch, stop being depressed. Stop it. I know that you I know that ain't who I think that is. <laughs> she just said, stop it. Switch that. Turn that. And again, now that we've, we've seen Giselle explore her emotional availability, I mean, naturally, she's going to be, she's going to think you just switch these things off. Like, you just, okay, no, she's a, get up and go. She's a Virgo. Like, <sighs> I, that's as much as I can say, guys. She's a Virgo. I'm a Virgo, too. And... <laughs> When it comes to processing emotions and help and being vulnerable, I, 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 that's not, it's not something we do from the, it's not something we do naturally. Yeah, I, can tell, I can tell you that. What did you think about um, Giselle calling Wendy insecure for not saying hi? Do you not think that Giselle looks for a moment every time? Came out in how she was like, oh, Wendy, I don't know why Wendy's still upset. And it's like, you know, damn well, why those women, this lady upset at me too. Like, did you catch that? Like, it was so annoying. And in that same scene, Giselle calls it insecure. And I'm just like, Giselle is annoying. Robin, on the other hand, I generally just think she's actually like away with the fairies. Like, I don't know if, like, what's not clicking, Stephen? She really is convinced through even um, last week's episode 
and the episode before that, she continues to be super pressed, panini pressed, about Wendy be like, I just don't get it. Like, what is she so upset about? Like, I, I don't get it. And I also think Robin is one of those people, apart from her finances, there hasn't been anything else that she's actually showed much emotion about. So I don't know if that's what it comes from or that's where it comes from. She just don't be getting it. She just don't be getting it. Um, I'm not a fan of the whole situation as in how it played out this past season with the Green Eyed Bandits and Wendy. I feel like they just have this thing, like you said, Gaslighting 101. And I have, they have a lot of main character syndrome. And I know in the past, it's been a talking point where I, we just don't know what it is about Robin and Giselle that makes them think that they're really the star of this franchise. Um, the way they handled even the last week's episode, The Trip, with um, Wendy and how they both were like, they swore up and down that we don't feel invited, we're not going to be there. In fact, Giselle said at first, I just don't feel invited, so I'm not going to be there. And as usual, Robin was just like, oh, me too, because that's what she does. And then to get there and be like, oh, we're not being catered to. What do you mean? Then Giselle swearing up and down to everyone with a pair of ears that, you know what, I actually don't want to talk to Wendy, so she's doing me a favor. Then turn around and be like, but the host ain't talking to me. I don't feel welcome. She's not even concerned about me. Miss Mamas, you guys said in the group chat, you fine. She saw that you fine. You want her to go up and down. I don't know if you wanted her to pluck a toilet out of thin air or a bathroom for you guys. It was not there. You guys came up last minute after saying you're not coming. No one's just going to, you know, answer to your beck and call. And I think even in that scene where Robin is just gaslighting Wendy, just like, what is she so upset about? Like, she, she must be so insecure. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. And you know something? Um, what's his name? Funky Deneva, for all of you guys who do watch his reviews. He does, like, reviews of, like, reality TV show episodes and stuff like that. And he, well, TV shows. And he was speaking about um, the whole situation between Giselle and Wendy. And he was like, when, for most people who live like in Atlanta or just different spaces with a lot of housewives and you're kind of in that circle and you're familiar with everyone, you are aware of how, you know, certain, certain rumors may travel. And some things may have been said about these women in the tabloids, but for the most part, there are certain things that are usually just off limits that just don't get brought onto the show. And the moment you even say something like that, whether it's true or false, and in this case, for the most part, um, everyone kind of believes that it's not true. But the moment you mention something like that about Eddie, it's going to become a talking point throughout the whole season. And then it's going to be a talking point at the reunion. And now everyone who, who choose to, to, to write something or claim they have a receipt on Eddie, they will bring it forward to any blog. Um, Frankie Geneva was also speaking about how sometimes with these blogs, there are up and coming bloggers who are trying to get a moment, trying to become famous, like the next Jason Lee or Frankie Geneva. So they sometimes write stories that they know are false or they know that their source is not accurate, but just to get a lot of clicks and all of that stuff, they will write that story. And that just kind of presented a moment and an opportunity for many, many of blogs to do that, for many of people to come with fake receipts. Because round about the time um, we on Twitter started seeing these things, was just before the season premiered that mm, supposedly Eddie has this white girlfriend and we were all like, oop, not Dr. Wendy's husband. Um, and it came as a result of, you know, when they were filming and now it's become a storyline. Now anyone who's friends with the other housewives who might've heard the housewives spill the tea when they weren't, you know, filming, it's now become a talking point. And I think for Robin and Giselle to sit there 
and make it seem like they don't understand what Wendy's talking about is so foul, especially because all these other housewives have heard multiple things about Mr. Jamal Bryant that they haven't discussed as talking points at reunions. There are things that have been brought forward, but there's also so much that they haven't spoken about. So why would you do that? Like there was, there was no need. And for Robin to sit like she just sit there and, and act like she doesn't get it, it's annoying. It's tired. I know she tries to be like Giselle's lapdog, but like, give it a rest, give it a break. We're tired of it. I'm very much over Robin being on the show. I will tell you that. Like, literally, I think Potomac is one of those few shows right now, Housewives shows, that actually have a damn near perfect cast. I think Robin needs to go. Robin 100% needs to go. Like, how do you have someone who's so, like, she's just so disengaged from the other women. Whenever, like, this conflict is like, I'm not going to entertain it. Wendy's combative, na 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 Like, and just, she's just not, like, she's just not interested. She's aloof. But, like, as we said earlier, what it takes to be a top-tier housewife, you have to, like, really be in there. You have to be really involved in the storyline. Drive the storyline. You'll drive a beef or two. You know what I'm saying? So, I just think... Robin needs to go. Robin is really dead weight. All the other women, even Ascala, who's just dead weight. Huh? I said not dead weight. She's dead weight. Even Ascala, who Robin brought on, I don't know how she knows Ascala, but I thank the real housewife gods that we got Ascala. Even Ascala carried more this season and has been more relevant to this season than Robin has. Who and Robin, Robin is an OG. Robin is a full-time cast member, an OG. Robin should not need help, you know, having a storyline. Her storyline this season has literally been the quote-unquote Dixon dwelling. Her storyline has been Juan's a bad father, which I think is a carryover from Juan is a bad husband last season. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just really it's just her storyline is not moving yes they got engaged but you can really see their longing out all these parts of their lives for whatever reason for bravo check if you're asking but i really hope bravo says nah we're not having that you can be a friend we can be a friend next season i really would like to see if robin wants to lose her champagne flute ascala get it because if there's anyone who's understanding the assignment in terms of fashion lifestyle gathering people it's a scholar i mean i'm just gonna say it for the listeners now i am an Ascala stan account leo's had it with you me. you really are you know really like are. that is my african queen i sound like the hoteps but what she came and she delivered i don't think we have had um on this specific franchise i don't Oh, wait, what? oh yeah I don't think we've had on this franchise like um a new cast member even as a friend or as a new like flute holder that's come in and just been just the way she's been I really like how she's really unproblematic but she's also not a sheep she's very much independent which makes it um a lot more difficult to believe that she is indeed truly Robin's friend like even when she first came onto the show she was helping Robin pack orders cool Ever since then or after that, she was kind of being brought along to the events with the other women. Cool. Even in those situations or in those scenes, she was very much an individual. And it's not that I'm saying, you know, people should just stick to the friend that they come through or come with. But like what we've normally seen in the past is that the person who usually comes as a friend 
they do tend to have more scenes with said friend and that just didn't happen this season until they were on the boat during Wendy's trip which was literally like the penultimate episode so it's kind of like hmm this friendship isn't giving real friendship it's giving Bravo storyline friendship which is fine but I feel like she really understood the assignment in terms of she's not a sheep she's afraid to call out right from wrong it doesn't matter if it's Giselle Karen Candice Mia if you're wrong she's gonna tell you that and even when she's when she tells you it's not one of those things because in the beginning I was kind of worried I forgot what it was it was maybe episode two where I was like okay now hold on Miss Mamas you knew you kind of talking a lot for someone who just came around, just hold on. Because it was specific um, back and forth she was commenting on. And I just kind of felt like she was commenting too soon without the context. But that was the only episode that happened. I felt like following that, I did start to see that she would kind of watch and fully understand the situation. She would ask questions to get context and then make her judgment and her commentary. And then in doing that, that just showed me that, okay, solid babe. She seems like she's really here to stay. I think I don't see her just wanting wanting to, as in by choice, I don't think she would decide to not come back. I don't think she's had a bad experience that would make her not want to come back. But in saying that, I do feel like she's my fave, she's everything, but in order for her to have longevity, she's, she's going to have to have a beef or two. I don't know if it's because maybe it was her first season, but we did see Mia, even though it was her first season. She did kind of get into a back and forth with someone. I think in order for Ascala to last, she can't, you know, it's unfortunate when it comes to a lot of reality shows, um, we want a little bit of mess. That's what a lot of, you know, viewers and me. one of us kind of you're talking about. You're talking about me. You, that's you, baby. <laughs> and that's okay. Because I feel like, you know, good vibes and stuff can bring a little bit of snooze fest into the mix. Um, and like we are saying earlier with Miss Drew, with Miss Latoya, it, it, you just don't want to get to the point where you're forgettable. You know, and she did kind of blend it to the background a bit. I'm kind of torn to as to whether it's because she was new, but even with other people who've been new, they have given just a little bit more, like maybe something where someone would have been like, mm, I didn't like the way she spoke about this. Why was she getting involved? And then it'd be like, okay, well, let's talk about it. Be some sort of a back and forth where there's another scene with somebody else saying, I didn't like it when Ascala did this. Ascala is maybe talking to Robin, who's a so-called friend, like, what's up with this person? Like, why are you getting, why is she getting riled up? You know, something. She was just gvo the entire season and i think that may just make her a little tiny bit forgettable speaking of new cast members this season we had um mia join the cast um to replace monique who left at the end of last season what do you think of monique and uh, mia sorry um i'm 50 50 on mia i'm not gonna lie when she first came um I had my predictions I was like mm, she seems like she's really good vibes like I like her energy she's carefree um but I felt like I don't know something in me my spidey senses were tingling I was like mm, I just feel like somewhere along the mix you know it's just it just seemed too good to be true I felt like at some point something was gonna happen and it sure did I felt like we got to Candace's trip and there was the whole you did. <laughs> and then we first saw that, okay, Mia's being a bit of a bone carrier. She's being a little bit messy. But it just felt like at the time, she was so badly trying to be, give, give this whole, I'm just being honest. I don't like fake people. So I'm going to call this person out. And it felt like the more I think about it, there was always something that like she wanted to start some shit. If we go back to, oh, Giselle is giving me good vibes on the first dinner. 
then the next time she's like actually well you wish death upon Ray so I don't fuck with you like that and when she started an unnecessary like back and forth with Robin and Giselle in the group chat when they just uh, simply asked her do you want to go have a drink Miss Mamas you know but maybe with that can we just want to get to know you as an individual she took it somewhere didn't need to be uh-uh, taken uh-uh. That, that, that was a violation why are you telling me want to know without other parties like I'm not involved in your beef with Karen. Don't bring up Karen to me. Just say you want okay, to get to me. But if I don't like someone, must I now invite them to lunch um, just to get to know It's you? none of my... Am I the reason you don't like them? No, 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 no. Hear then me it's out. Not, it's none of my business. Hear me out. Think about someone you don't like, right? And you happen to meet one of their friends elsewhere and you guys are actually hitting it off. And this person now is like, oh, well, if you want to hang out with me, I'm going to bring my friends that you don't like. Bold of you to assume. Listen... <laughs> Once I found out your friends with the ops, it's over. It is over. Like, like, I am I am point blank, period, done. Like, I'm not even gonna, you're, you're not about to have me looking crazy. No, That's I hear it. I just didn't think she needed to react the way she reacted. It could have just been like, a, mm, I feel uncomfortable. But she she was ready. Bass, boss, bass, let's go. On, she was on job. She like, was like, really? I've got the smoke for you. Let's go, you know, ding, 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 round two. It just, it was weird. And then we got to the trip of Candace and then she was like, well, actually, now that I know that she didn't actually wish death on Ray and was whatever, okay, I'm going to change it, which is fine. Anyone's allowed to change their opinion. But it was just a bit like the back and forth was confusing. And I just felt like the running theme for me at this season was starting something. I don't know if the producers were like, Miss Mamas, if you want to make an impact, give them a show. Maybe, because fast forward to even... The boat, she was there getting her little snacks, a little hors d'oeuvres, her drink downstairs. She with her big old feet. Her big old feet, as Candace puts it. She literally, you could literally see her ear just twitching as she listened in on Robin and Ascala's conversation. Only to just, you know, blip, 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 go back upstairs and be like, out of nowhere, Wendy was talking about something else. Well, um, Wendy, apparently you aren't the same person you were last year. What I will say regarding that bone carrying, Mia actually told the truth. She actually delivered that bone as it was said. This time, she actually delivered it truthfully. And I thought that because she had had past situations where she had used that against her. Robin used it against her. She was like, I didn't say that. I hope everyone watched back at the episodes and saw Robin's lying ass because Robin really said, I didn't say that. in 4K like a rat on the highway. Like a rat on a highway. And she had the nerve to sit there and be like, oh, I just said you and I aren't really friends anymore or the same way we were last year. That's not what you said, girl. That's if not what you said. If anyone's a weak bitch, it's Robin. Yeah. And she bores me. I mean, let's not talk about that episode on Candace's trip where she was like, so what do we think about Ashley? Are we mad at her? Why is it a weak thing? I've tweeted extensively about that interaction. I'm not even, I don't even want to talk about it. Like, I she wanted a cool sign from Giselle, and she's like, are we? Hey. Are you, you, you saying we a lot, or we speak French now? Like, what, what's happening? And, and I think for me, anyway, going back to me, Mia, before I go on a tangent. Honestly. I just, <laughs> I just think it's, it was confusing. I don't know if the producer told her to do it. I don't know if that's actually just her as a person. Um, I have a controversial opinion. I mean, you know that you and I, didn't exactly agree in terms of the whole Candace and her situation, but I just felt like the fact that she said when she came on the show, she used to watch the show. Um, I would expect that as a viewer, not, not one of us 
doesn't know how Candice is. And I'm not giving Candice a pass. I'm not really Candice's fan or anything, but I just... It sure like, sounds like you're giving her a pass. Uh-uh, I'm not giving her a pass, but I just think, and this has always been my opinion with anything. That's why even with me, myself, I'm not going to speak about things when I'm not sure what the reaction is going to be. If I'm not, if you can't take the heat, stay out the kitchen. It doesn't justify people doing things to you. I don't, you know, it doesn't justify when people put the pause on you or anything like that. But I think for someone who says they watch the show, to have done that to Candice, we know how Candice acts. How are you going to sit there in your confession? Candice, can I ask you something? No, no, hold on. For me, it was the fact that she said, I never do things to, with the intention of hurting people. If I had known that that was going to spark this reaction out of Candice, I never would have said, we all know Candice is ready to bark like a chihuahua. What do you mean you didn't know this is going to spark was this the video? Was the video not low budget? Listen, y'all. It can- was. My thing is, it's not a problem with pointing out that it's low budget. Don't sit there and act like you don't know that that was not going to set Candace off. That's a lie. Anyone who's telling me that they watched this show and have watched it for at least two seasons, if you say you didn't know Candace was going to react like that, you're a bone-faced liar. You're a dirty, dirty liar. You guys are enabling Candace to continue attacking people. If you're going to say that, oh no because if you say this you're gonna trigger her and then she's gonna cuss you out and it won't be it won't be her fault it'll be your fault when you enable candace because i still have smoke for candace and do specifically think candace does need to to see a therapist i don't think it's healthy i don't think it's okay the way she's always ready to really take it to the to the earth's core to the pits of hell when she's hidden below the belt like the basement in hell lower lower the basement in hell like that's what Candace loves to take things all the time. And I don't agree with, you know, the way Chris speaks to her sometimes or his delivery sometimes. But the message is not lost in the sense that you just don't simply need to react every single time. It doesn't need to last as long as it lasts. It doesn't need to go the way it goes every time. Like, it's just not necessary. And I think that also still needs smoke and needs to be addressed. But I'm also saying on the other end, you're just not going to speak to people anyhow. And then other people must police the way they speak to you. That's one thing I stand by. You just you just don't open your mouth, not even your mouth, your neck, and talk out the side of this, your neck, and then be like, oh my God, like, why would you say that back to me? Like, that's a touchy subject. That's a touchy subject. Why would you say that? That's so hurtful. Why me? Uh-uh. Mm-mm. If she was someone who came onto the show honestly and tried to claim she's never watched this franchise, she's unfamiliar with Candace's character at all, or this was Candace's first season as well, and this is the first time they're kind of bumping into each other, I would then be like, Candace needs to, you know, I mean, she needs to hold the entire smoke by herself. But for me, the smoke is split a good 60 40. 60 to Candace, 40 to Mia. You just didn't need to be there. Yeah, I just think definitely Mia has had, you know, has elicited strong opinions from us as the viewers. And I definitely think she's getting another season. Like, come on. Mia is hard. There's no way. It wouldn't make sense for them to end it off here. And I think as we saw from some of the trailer stuff, she's definitely going to, she's coming back. Exactly. Um, Shadiest moment of the, I don't know what you thought the shadiest moment of the episode was, but for me, I think it had got to be either Ray saying he's surprised that Michael and Ashley's kids were surprisingly good looking or Robin asking if Michael, people ever asked Michael if he's his kid's grandfather. That was shady. Both are shady, but I think Ray was shadier. I don't know. I think 
Nah, I think race is definitely shadier. Because with Robin's one, I think that's something that's inevitable, like being an older man. That's not surprising. Michael Darby obviously has other kids as well. So that's not surprising. Ray, first of all, Ray be saying some shady things low-key. Ray's, Ray, Ray's a master shade thrower. And then the thing is, he'll just laugh and then we'll just end it that. I, I will not forget in the holiday episode where he said, when, you know, Giselle joked that, oh, the reason she broke up was because of Karen. And she said, and he said, oh, you missed her something, her neck or something like that. And I was like, yeah. wait, <laughs> what is it that you're implying, sir? But I think definitely Ray's gets the shadiest moment for me. Definitely. Um, so I think from now, we, from here, we can segue on to Insecure just before we wrap up. I know... I am not the resident insecure expert. I mean, I got into insecure pretty late. I'm not going to say when I got into insecure, <laughs> but I got into insecure pretty late. And yeah, that's, this is Anisu's baby. Anisu loves her. So literally, it's all you tweet about. No, it's, it's my fave. Like, I love me a good tweet and watch. But everyone who knows me knows that I literally rewatch Insecure probably like every six months. And I mean, from season one, it's just one of those shows. I think for me, it's probably really cliche, but Insecure and Pose for me are just those shows that I will always go back and rewatch again and again and again. But um, Insecure, I mean, now we're in episode two. Um, my general thoughts so far is I think we're going to have one of the best like closing seasons that we've had from a show in a while. What? Um, I think for, let me not say for a show. I think for a show like Insecure, for the type of content that they give us. I feel because it's not like a, a deep show. It's not your Game of Thrones. It's not your successions. It's not your scandals. You know, I feel like typically in some of those shows that would have had like a long, a long run, um, the last, like the final season would have been disappointing. I think for me, for example, this, this year I recent, I rewatched, um, Scandal or what is it called back home? The Fixer. Scandal, The Fixer, you guys know, um, Shondaland. And I actually had forgotten how poor the final season was compared to the beginning of the show. Um, and that's why for me, I really have enjoyed, maybe I'm jumping the gun, but in the last, in the first two episodes of this season, I'm really enjoying like the full circle moments that they have within each episode. So for episode one, I really enjoyed the fact that they showed um, Molly um, reflecting on herself and just kind of thinking, okay, I always tend to, she said to Issa something like, I tend to use all the time, like I overthink so much. Why I do that? Why? Like it's showing that She's kind of considering the past situations that she's been in and there's growth. And even in this episode, they kind of touched on that again. And we kind of saw that little reel, that like flashback reel of all of Molly's like dating situations within the show. That was so painful to watch because that's my girl. <laughs> like the self-sabotage was jumping out. The Molly when she was still a mess. And I just felt like it's so cool the way that they keep incorporating like these full circle moments. Same as even in, in the opener. The fact that we started off with where where they you know we started off where they first met and you saw you know these old characters from their college lives um that was kind of the episode where you know isa and molly when they kind of get robbed by that cheyenne girl and her male counterpart they have that good old laugh and it's you know it was in fact trauma bonding but that was the first time that they 
laughed so hard and um in the wind down i think it was prentice penny who touched on the fact that it kind of was representative of a moment where you may be having like a tough time with a friend but ultimately when something really bad happens or something really good sometimes as much as you may be having a rough patch with your friend that's still the one person that you'd actually want there and that was kind of what they showed us in that moment and i think they've already told us in all the trailers and all the what to expect of the season that most of the season the backbone of it is Issa and Molly's friendship no surprise that this episode they started off with Issa and Molly having their sleepover you know they're back to and they're in a much better place I wouldn't know if they're 100% back but they're having a sleepover and you even see for the first time ever Molly is singing that you are my best friend silly song that Issa always used to sing to Molly after she you know Molly would say yes to something or Molly would say let's go here and this is the first time you've seen Molly actually sing it and I think this is life for me it's in all the little things that you know the insecure writers really put so much effort into like connecting the dots like especially if you were to rewatch it all in one go um it's still fresh in our minds. Most of us rewatch season one to four before season five. And it's so cool seeing all these little dots connect and see them building up to what we're seeing now. And that's why for me, I think it's going to be, for the type of show and the type of content that they give us, probably one of the best final seasons. It's not going to be anything I feel for now, touch wood, or leave us on a cliffhanger. We'll have us feeling like, okay, but why should she do that? We know Issa and Prentice and any of the other writers in the writer's room aren't going to give us this fairy tale happy ending, but I don't feel that they'll leave us feeling incomplete. I did not like these last two episodes. Like, I spoke to a friend of mine also how, you know, how they're enjoying this last season. And, like, I don't know. There's just something that I'm not connecting with. I don't know if about like, that chaos you people want chaos i don't even want chaos it feels a lot like pose and how pose in the season in the third season in its final season it just seemed a bit off like they didn't understand like i i told myself they just didn't understand what it is we like about pose pose obviously this is not going to be an episode about pose but pose has what you know what we like about it but with insecure i makes me wonder if they truly understand what it is we like I think it's like taken a different tone um and just you can kind of see that in every episode they're writing it bearing in mind that this show is going to end at some point like at some point this season that they've got a finite um, finite number of episodes this season and Mm -hmm. by the end of it certain storylines need to be wrapped certain things need to be figured out you know and that and it just feels like the pacing also is kind of off like between season four and season five there's a two-month gap between episode one and episode two there's a year gap like like what slow down (laughs) that is one thing i didn't like about that i don't like the year gap like what's that all about like but i don't know if it's actually a year gap i think the first time i watched it when i saw that one year later I thought that they were saying that that's representative of a year between episode one and two, but I don't know if that's the case because wouldn't we, wouldn't baby Condola be here? Or do you think that they'll just show us and the baby's not here? But that would, no, but then if baby Condola, that, because think about it now. If we are a year, it means two months plus a year 
minus like let's say about nine months the baby's gonna be less than a year old we still haven't seen i think it will make sense in terms of the timeline once we meet condola mm-hmm. again but i think doing that time gap was dangerous because you're depriving us as the viewers of understanding certain storylines and i feel there's a danger in also adding new characters in your last season so um i'm not sure if the guy's name kofi like the guy's name cray sean yeah. if that's his yeah. name i think it's sean but then the whole print sean was i think because it's from crenshaw yeah it just feels a bit rushed and like i don't feel any incentive to root for sean i don't like i've not because he at some point during the episode um isa goes do you have any idea what i had to do to get you here to um to him and in my head i'm like no literally i don't i literally don't know know. (laughs) i literally don't so in order for me to have an investment in this episode in in these storylines in this new character you've now showed me that is somehow important to isa all of a sudden i need to see i mean i'm not saying you need to show me literally everything there's um i think it's called exposition Mm -hmm. just you can show us how they met na 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 like we don't need to see literally every milestone in their relationship or in whatever yeah. but by virtue of just you've thrown me in and now i'm like oh wait okay isa obviously we want they do i do understand they want us to see isa as a successful person but if they just take in two three episodes to do it over the course of i think that would have made a lot more sense and would have not felt like we were being you know jolted on a roller coaster um but i think it is it is the the storyline that i think they're handling pretty well is molly's you y'all know i love molly like let me just say it now i love molly you are literally like a molly stan account listen if i could rebrand i would um <laughs> i like how they handled it and like you said the little montage of all of her dating L's that she's taken over you know this course of the show and it just feels and when you take that into account and then you think of how everyone it feels like everyone is pushing into a relationship her mom is pushing into a relationship um I forgot like the her friends were last in the last episode it feels like there's something there and I'm not sure if it's either that Molly's going to end up single at the end of the show because she's just going to be like, listen, I don't need a partner to define me. Or I think we're going to venture into Molly potentially dating a woman. I don't know if that's happening, but that's the thing where like, "Mm, maybe that's why Molly's so unhappy. Maybe that's why Molly's always, you know, one thing about Molly, she can chase a man away. I (laughs) I don't believe in the term chase a man away, but for Molly, I do. Molly and Joan from Girlfriends. Those are two people I believe. Joan is a hot mess. They can um, away. I actually think it's going to be different for Molly. I was speaking to my friend Jahi about this, and I think that the man she went on a date with at the end might actually end up being Molly's love interest. Um, when she left the Crenshaw show, remember she went on a date, and um, it starts off when the person comes in and she kind of like waves super excitedly, and then she kind of has to remind herself, like, okay, girl, chill. <laughs> and then she kind of like, probably going to have a different ending for molly in my opinion i actually think that the guy she went on a date with might potentially be the love interest that she ends up with and here's why um we see in that date scene that you know the guy walks in and she waves like super excited like you know when you're like okay go relax and then she literally you see her having that like conversation mentally like oh snap um let me relax 
then she kind of turns down her wave and then before he makes his way to the table she like takes a sip of her drink she inhales exhales and she says something along the lines of like embrace the change or embrace the new something along those lines um and i think um something jackie pointed out to me as well is that in past seasons and in other episodes where molly has gone on a date of any kind they've shown that to us this time it literally cut off as she hugged him and that was it we didn't get a name we didn't get anything and i think that inhale exhale embrace the change for me was kind of like hmm is this something because prior to that we did see her have the flashback moment as she was on the dating app and then she kind of like deleted what she was going to type for the must have or whatever something along those lines um she also once she had that flashback called her mom to apologize and was like you know i have this thing i attend i have the tendency of being really intense and i just want to apologize and for me again same as first episode more so this episode i'm warming up to molly more because i actually feel like the mvp <laughs> mvp um don't get me wrong i still feel like she's borderline greedy like a little bit of the the bad vibes bandwagon but i do think she's growing so much and i really love that for her i really love the fact that there are i know that right <laughs> i don't think i would have enjoyed like as much as i wasn't a fan or am not necessarily molly's biggest fan i wouldn't have enjoyed seeing her stay on the same path it's like where's the character development where's the growth but they've actually given us that and i think the fact that she had that um self reflective moment could it was able to take accountability even though it was like with her mom and you know she did what she did on the dating app she went on this date kind of gave herself a pep talk you know like about embracing the change it just gave me the vibe that she actually is ready to try and probably start dating maybe it may not be this guy but i think as jackie and i were discussing the fact that this guy specifically they gave us no information unlike any other dating scene molly has ever been in we get a name we get a something we get the date we see her mess up and we didn't get that this time i think um, with molly right with the writing that's coming with molly this season i think the vibe i'm getting is that they've probably learned their lesson i really think cuz you guys for four seasons have said you don't see you guys don't think molly wants the best for isa molly's a witch and i think maybe now they're trying a bit harder to not make molly seem like a hater to make molly seem like you know what molly does have parts <laughs> of her that are softer than others molly does have a lot to learn and i think that's probably i hope it has um informed the growth that we're now seeing in molly cuz it's like damn girl do you does like i'm looking like yo know, like are you reincarnated into a different molly like it's so shocking right in a she's good thinking, way in a good way she's thinking things through she's she's being a more attentive friend and i think the fact that it's all happening at once is what makes me think mm, it's probably a writing thing that now thinking more about writing because if they wanted to they could have just done over the course of the show molly just is a better friend but the fact that it's it's i mean obviously they had a big fight and you know yeah. as with real life you have a big fight with your friend you you know you learn from it and you push but it just seems like a lot but i also do feel like apart from focusing on writing we can't you know like in the last episode when they were driving to Stanford and they were talking about how you know she's going through it posting like a corner of her face. Um she went through a friendship breakup with her best friend and an actual romantic breakup. And I think a lot of that alone time, I mean, in the past few episodes we see her meditating a lot 
and taking the yoga or the meditation a lot more serious than you know my last season it lasted a lot of like three episodes and then sometimes i'll be getting high like child but this season it seems like she actually is more focused on it she's really like who's setting um and i do feel like it is supposed to represent that she's been actively trying to do the work i think it is supposed to show some sort of growth rather cuz we're not about to sit here and act like molly was always this person and they, they were just writing her character poorly okay molly said okay. the things molly did i mean one thing about you you love yourself a good villain so you're biased molly But- listen guys Prentice and Issa have said Molly is not the villain. Stop. Molly is not a villain. She's not been written to be. It's if Molly was the villain, it would not be the love story of Issa and Molly. As they, their words, they said this show is that. But you know, I'm a segue because we're not. <laughs> we're gonna go back and forth, and we're never gonna finish. Um, I did like one thing. I did like about this episode. I didn't just hate this episode. Like, I did like how, in it showed just how insecure is able to. weave like different like things that they want us to talk about into the storyline like they did with postpartum um and now what they're doing with like your parents talking about estate planning Molly's parents are not getting any younger and obviously out of all the characters we've seen Molly's parents are the parents that we've seen the most of the most of yeah so you know just how they they they've taken her through no guys you, you can't just write on a piece of paper who gets a car who gets the dog Nah, that's not how it works. You have to say the cash I have. You know, you have to say certain things. I'm not right or well. I'm assuming the cash you have. <laughs> um, but I think it's 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 another thing that's good about insecure and the storytelling that it does. That it's like talks about serious things, but it's not like it's not forced. So it doesn't just feel like oh, we're just gonna randomly talk about how you know. police brutality you know it's 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 done in a very subtle way that still makes sense to the overarching like arching plot mm-hmm. of the show that season that's true um i do agree i think for me as well that's probably why like it's 50 50 now that when earlier you given me your analysis of the episodes and how you haven't liked obviously how it is giving a little pose vibe a little bit of choppy i see why you'd say that now but i also think for me I hope obviously in upcoming episodes they don't do that or they try to do a lot better. I don't feel like obviously with some of the characters like Conchon this is the last we're going to see him so maybe they'll get into what happened. Um I'll speak about that whole ordeal shortly but I do think for me something that I do also take away from Insecure is just like we've always said how relatable the show is and I think even in some of the situations with Yes there's a bit of like not a bit there's a lot of fast forwarding happening but i also feel like in my opinion certain things and certain aspects of life or certain dynamics um some things do as much as they change do stay the same and i think maybe that's why it's like okay we have 10 episodes all of our episodes are half an hour max because of the, the that's how hbo max is that's the slot that they were given and i think that being said it would be a bit of a waste to focus on so much about maybe the progression for example over the last year maybe a year not maybe a year was a drastic jump but i think um they probably aren't trying to waste too much time in these small intricate details because i do still feel 
that for a season finale, we still definitely need to get finality. I understand, obviously, that, you know, maybe they're not doing it as seamlessly at this point where it's very clear that, okay, sharp, it's the end of the show. Like, we, we get it. Um, but I do think, yeah, that's probably the task that was probably difficult for them to balance. The fact that you're trying to put in enough information as well as finalize these these stories to some extent which is probably the exact same not probably which is clearly what happened with pose that those writers struggle to find what we liked about or loved about the show and then trying to make these storylines develop but also kind of give finality i think clearly they struggled with it and i think that's also the problem with when when you write a show and you you give it like um, a dated timeline so for example um with pose they had given us timelines like, okay, this was in the 80s or this was this year, this was this year. So for what they were trying to do, for example, in the last season, there was no way that they were going to be able to claim that it happened four years prior. You're going to have to make the jump. Maybe five years before, Ball was not at a certain place that you can say that this is then what happened or then this wedding ended up happening because in 1980, whatever, that was not going to happen. It just wasn't going to work. And I think that's the problem with giving an actual number on the timeline of events or the show that you're writing. I, with Insecure, I think they also have that thing where, for example, even if we think about the music that Insecure gives us or how when they have these shows, the certain artists they try to have on the show in their little cameos, things have to kind of be somewhat current to match, for example, the score of the show and the music they give us. You can't have this, in my opinion anyway, the super brand new artist or somebody who's just popping, let me give Blast as an example. Um, and then your thing is supposed to be set in like 2018 or maybe not even 2018, maybe 2016. Like, I think that's what's difficult that balancing timelines that you've put onto the characters' lives with, it's also supposed to seem current and focus on what's happening now. I think one thing that I'm happy that they didn't do